It's all Jesus. Every word spoken is Jesus. And we've learned there has been some difficult things that we've heard from Jesus. There's also been some amazing things that, that, that we've heard spoken from Jesus. And so, uh, before Jesus was ever condemned or crucified, uh, He was handed over to be tried by Pilate. Now, Pilate was the Roman governor over a place called Judea. He wasn't as powerful as the emperor, but he was a Roman governor, and he was a, he was a powerful man, and he was a bad man. And Jesus' own people hand him over to be tried by this Roman governor named Pilate. So Pilate and Jesus, they have this dialogue together. Pilate looks at Jesus and he says, hey, they say you're a king. Jesus looks at him and says, my kingdom is not of this world. To which Pilate responds, so you are a king then. And Jesus responds with this, he says in John 18, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on this side of truth listens to me. So Jesus says that, and and Pilate responds, I would say with this audacious response, he says, what is truth? What is truth? It's a great question. Biblical truth has been debated. It's been argued. It's been questioned for centuries by even the greatest of minds. People have had their opinions on on just truth in general for centuries. Maybe since the very beginning. I would argue that there was a debate and an argument on what truth was in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. Even to this day, there have been people who, who argue and debate and complain and questioned the biblical truth. And what we have discovered is throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking truth with every single breath. And some of it is hard to hear. In fact, some of it is hard to hear for people in this room. I would argue that we all wrestle with things that Jesus says. We all wrestle with things that are, that are in the Bible. There are Christians, men and women across this planet, who claim to be a follower of Jesus, yet they choose what they want to obey in the Word of God, and they choose what they want to follow, and they choose what they want to dismiss. And we're talking about people who are filling up pews and, and chairs and church buildings. They, they don't always agree with what Jesus says, and so they choose what they want to obey, and they choose what they want to dismiss. And I believe that Jesus today, He speaks to that. In fact, what Jesus is going to say today, it's going to be hard to hear for some people. It may not seem pleasant. But you need to know that this isn't Nate's opinion. This is what Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, says. And He says it to His church. He says it to people who claim to know Him. And so we'll pick up in Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus continues to speak to us. He says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So Jesus says there's two gates. There's two paths. There's two roads. There's there's two destinations. Ultimately, there are two choices in life. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the most traveled on bridge in the world, you could even say a 
uh, for what, how long that bridge is, the most traveled on road in the world is the George Washington Bridge in New York City. It connects uh, Manhattan and New Jersey over the Hudson River. Now this bridge, it's two stories, as you can see. It's, it makes up 14 different lanes, eight lanes on the top, six on the bottom. This bridge sees over 290,000 cars, trucks, uh, just vehicles in general on a daily basis. Now if you do the math, that's over 105 million travelers per year. That's the most traveled on bridge, you could even say road, in the world. Now there is a least traveled on road in the world, and that's the Dalton Highway in Alaska. You may have seen this um, on Ice Road Truckers, or BBC did a, did a series on the very first episode uh, on most dangerous roads. It was about the Dalton Highway. Now this highway is 414 miles long. There's hardly any towns on it, and people, there's signs everywhere. Does that look like a, dr a road you want to drive on? There's actually signs that say, proceed with caution. This is the deadliest road, they say, in the world, and it sees a lot of deaths. They say, proceed with caution. They heavily warn people before they drive on certain areas of this road. So there's a, a most traveled on road, a most traveled on path that people take, a most traveled destination, and there's a least traveled path, a least traveled road, a least traveled destination. Jesus says there's two gates, two roads, two paths, ultimately two choices in life. One is narrow, the other is wide. One sees a lot of visitors, the other sees few. One is easy, one is hard. Let's look at the first one. Jesus says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. So, this way is easy. This way is, is broad. It's roomy. It's spacious. And the, the reason why it's roomy and spacious and so broad is there's all kinds of room for diversity and thought and opinion. There's a laxity to morals on this path. On this road, there's, there's more room for tolerance and permissiveness. It has no real boundaries of, of thought and conduct. The people on this road, on this path, they choose or live by their own inclinations. They choose and live by the desires of their own heart. John Stott said, there is no limit to the amount of luggage we can take with us choosing this path, the path that is easy. We need leave nothing behind. Not even our sins or our own self-righteousness or our own pride. So this road is easy, Jesus says, and many people find it. And the reason why they find it is it's easy. It's an easy path to take in life. It's the most popular. It's the most traveled on road. Because it requires little to absolutely no self-discipline. There's no real striving to be better. There's no real striving uh, to be more pure. There's no more striving uh, uh, to be any different than everybody else. See, this path is the kind of life uh, where you, you, you indulge in the flesh. You, you, you gratify yourself in the flesh and not by the Spirit. And Jesus says this way, this path, this road, this destination, it leads to destruction. Now let's talk about that for a moment. What is Jesus, ultimately, what is Jesus getting at when He uses this word destruction? It, it's perishing is what it is. It's, it's a, an endless and eternal damnation. It's an eternal place of misery. 
that word destruction is not meant to be taken lightly. It's a serious word. And it comes out of the mouth of Jesus. You know, a, a place that is real, that we're going to learn, called hell, it's not a fun topic to talk about. And not even the church wants to talk about a place called hell. But this may surprise you. Jesus talks about hell more than any other person in all the Scriptures. In fact, this may surprise you. Jesus talks about hell more than He talks about heaven. So, uh, it, it may be worth talking about. In fact, Jesus talks about hell in great detail. I want to read you. I, I have a, 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 I've made a summation of what Jesus says about hell all in, a, in, a, in a small paragraph. But these are words being brought directly out of Scripture and directly out of the mouth of Jesus. He says this, It is a place of eternal torment and agony with an unquenchable fire. You will never die in hell and the fire will never be quenched. There will be weeping or wailing and gnashing of teeth with endless anguish and regret. It is a place of outer darkness where there is no point of return. It's important for all of us to know that there, nobody goes to hell because they're bad. Nobody does. In fact, every person who's ever lived on this planet is bad in comparison to a perfect and holy God. People go to hell because they don't trust Jesus with their life. People go to hell because they choose the way that is easy and the way that is broad. And Jesus says, many find that way. Hell is a, is a place that's hard to comprehend. It's hard to really fathom. Even if you read words out of the Bible, it's still hard to fathom. It's still hard to believe. Even the greatest of minds and the greatest of Christian theologians, they struggle with the doctrine of hell. But what we know based on Scripture, based on the Bible, is hell is a real place and Jesus talks about it. So it's worth us talking about. But the good news of the Bible and the good news for us is that Jesus talks about another place, a better place, a place called heaven, the, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, all who believe in the Son will go there. All who surrender their lives, who follow Jesus, will go there. They will inherit that kingdom. But Jesus says, only a few find it. Pick up in verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So this is the least popular route. It's the least traveled road. The least picked destination. The choice that is actually made more often than not. It's also the least talked about heaven on any mainstream media. In fact, you'll never, hardly ever see the Bible really being proclaimed with accuracy and truth on mainstream media. That's why it's narrow, meaning it's tight. It's constricted. Not a lot of people are taking it. It's just like the Dalton Highway in Alaska. Few take it. In fact, proceed with caution. Jesus says in Matthew 10, all men will hate you because of Me. So there is an aspect of proceed with caution when following Jesus. All men will hate you because of Me. He goes on, Whoever loves father or mother more than Me is not worthy of Me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than Me is not worthy of Me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow Me is not worthy of Me. 
Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You can see why this road is narrow. You can see why only few find it. But if one could just understand the great benefit to laying down their life for the sake of following Jesus, it's more than an eternal promise. It's life on this earth. Experiencing life the way you were meant to experience it. Jesus says, this way it's narrow and it's hard, but it leads to life. Jesus said in John 10, I have come that you may have life and have it in its fullness. Imagine that. You able to live life in its fullness. To to, to know exactly why you were created. To know exactly why, why you were put on this earth. To know exactly what your purpose is in this life. You find it when you find Jesus. You find it when you give yourself fully under the Lordship of Jesus. Say, I want to follow Him with all of my life. I want to make Him my Lord, my Savior. And I want to give my life to Him. You see, when you do that, you find life. Unlike the road that is easy and broad, on this path, you leave all of your sins behind. See, all of your sins are forgiven. You you leave them behind. You don't have to take all of your baggage with you. You can walk freely into a new life pursuing life itself. You leave all of your selfish ambition behind. And if necessary, friends and family, Jesus says that's why we proceed with caution because there are, there are people all over the planet, including our own country, they make a decision to follow Jesus. It, it wrecks families. It wrecks families. It wrecks relationships with, with mothers and daughters and, and sons and fathers. When people make a decision to follow Jesus, it, it can destroy families because often families don't agree with what you might agree with in the Scriptures. And so Jesus says, proceed with caution, but when you do, you will find life. He said, if they hate Me, they're going to hate you. So count the cost. Proceed with caution, but when you do, you will find life. When you do, your sins are forgiven. When you do, you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he says, if you lose your life, for his sake, you will find it. You will have purpose. How many of us want purpose in life? If we're all being honest, how many of us, we want purpose. We want meaning. We want to know why we're here. We want to know why we're alive. We want to know why we're breathing. When you follow Jesus, you will find life. But He is, he is saying, it, but it won't be easy. It won't be easy. In the midst of, of all of this uncertainty in our nation and across the globe, Jesus is promising, when you follow Me, you will find life. You will have purpose. You will have meaning. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. Just believe in the Gospel. And you will find life. Jesus also said, I am the door. If anyone enters through Me, they will be saved. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through Me, they will be saved. To choose the way that is narrow and hard is to find salvation. Saved from what, Nate? Well, to be blunt, eternal damnation. Because of our sin, we are living in rebellion against God. Because of the fall in Genesis 3, man was cursed. And we we were now 
found living in rebellion against God. The only way that that can be changed is to believe in the Gospel. To repent and turn from our sin. Trust in Jesus. That He is worthy. That He is able to forgive us our sins. And because of what He did on the cross is what we sing about. The blood that He shed for us was for our salvation. The trust that He is capable of taking on our sin. And in return, giving us eternal life. That is the Gospel. You know what the worst part about hell is? It's not the, the endless agony. It's not the endless torment. It's not the endless regret. It's not even the weeping and the wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's not even the fire that Jesus says will never be quenched. The worst part about hell is there is no God. That's the worst part about hell. There is no God. And Jesus says when you enter through the narrow gate, you will be saved. You will find life. And you will be with God forever. That's the promise. That's the purpose of Genesis to Revelation. For God to reveal Himself to the world. And His redemption plan, which was Jesus coming into the world, taking on flesh, living a perfect life, never sinned, yet He took on our sin. And when He died on the cross, He did it for you and for me. That all of your sins are just forgiven in a moment of belief. And you can walk in newness of life. You can enter the gate and you will be saved. But by choosing this way, it's far different than the world. It's very counterculture. It's not of the social norm. It's not popular. And I would argue it's getting even less popular. Christianity is getting even less popular today. And few, few find it. And many people, they don't take this way because, because it's hard to forgive others. It's hard to remove lust from our lives. It's hard to, to just stop looking at pornography. I just don't want to stop. I'm just so ingrained. I just don't. It's hard to do those things. It's hard to rein in your anger. It's hard to love people that don't love you. It's hard not to judge other people. So few people find it. But my friend said this, and I want to read it. He said, no one ever stepped off of an escalator and felt like they achieved something great. But every single person who climbs Mount Everest becomes a legend, and the view from the top is beyond compare. I tell you, it's worth it. The narrow way is hard, and only a few find it, but I tell you, it's worth it. Verse 15, Jesus goes on, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. So Jesus says, Beware of false prophets. False teachers. Did you know that they exist today? False teachers or false prophets were a huge deal in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And they're a huge deal today. False teachers exist today. They exist. They might be closer than you think. They're in our country. They're all over the world. Men and women leading people astray. Leading people far from God. They do it for various reasons. Praise and attention to themselves. More money. More power. Whatever it is. But they're leading people astray. And God, in His Word, for centuries, has been warning His people. And Jesus continues to, to warn His people. If you're going to follow Me, watch out for false teachers. There are men and women out there who want to lead people astray. Now, I'm not going to use this person's name or where he even uh, pastors his church, but I think it's one of the largest churches in, in America. Now, this, this pastor was in an interview with Oprah Winfrey maybe seven, eight years ago, and Oprah looked at this pastor and said, 
people are saying that you preach prosperity. And immediately after she said that, she said, but what kind of God would want you to be poor and miserable? To which this pastor responded, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't see how you're supposed to be poor. I don't see how you're supposed to suffer. I don't, suppose, I don't, I don't see how you're supposed to show your humility. I, I just don't see the Bible that way. Might I add, this very person, leading one of the largest churches in America, has the audience of millions, hardly ever says the name Jesus, hardly ever reads from the Bible. He never talks about sin and he never talks about the cross. Yet he has the audience of millions and it could be quite possible what Jesus is saying. People like that are leading people astray. They think they're Christians, but they're really not. And that is scary. People like that are manipulating and deceiving people. And the thing is, they look righteous. They look respectable. But Jesus says they're ravenous wolves disguised as innocent sheep. And they're leading people astray. I believe Jesus is talking about false teachers in the same context of, of entering through the narrow gate. Because there are people who are leading people astray. They are leading people from the gate that is narrow, from the gate that is right, from the gate that Jesus has opened for eternal life. And this is scary. And so Jesus says, watch out for them. You will recognize them by their fruits. We pick up in 16. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? And this is a rhetorical question. Obviously, they're not. So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A, health, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. The word bad here is, is worthless. It's, it's wicked. Jesus is saying there's a, there's a tree that bears bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's bad. It's, it's worthless, Jesus is saying. And everyone falls into two different categories. There's a category where you have acknowledged before holy God you are a sinner. You need to repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus with your life. Be baptized with Him in His death, burial, and resurrection. And then there's another category where you live out the, the producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruits of the Spirit. That's, that's your life. Your, your life is revolved around pursuing those things. Paul talks about in Galatians 5. Or the other category is you've trusted yourself and your own power according to your own flesh. Indulging in, in sinful activity with absolute no conviction. Paul also talks about that in Galatians 5. He, he calls it the acts of the sinful nature. So you're either bearing good fruit or you're bearing bad fruit. And Jesus says you could tell a difference. The Apostle Paul writes about it in Philippians 3. He says, with tears in my eyes, there are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. They glory in what they know to be true and morally right, and they glory in it. Their God is their stomach. And their mind and their hearts are on earthly things, Paul says. And it gives me, it, it, I have tears when I write about it. It brings sorrow to his heart. Jesus goes on verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. In other words, to live an immoral and ungodly life is to live a life that is wasted. To live an immoral and ungodly life is to live a life that is wasted. So what kind of life are you living? Are you bearing fruit, good fruit? Is it evident in your life? Are you shaping your family to be more like Jesus? Whether you have 
little kids or whether you have adult children who aren't living at home anymore, are you leading them towards Jesus? Whether they're resistant or not, are you, are you pursuing Jesus in all that you do in your marriage, in your life, in your alone time? Are you reading God's Word? Are you praying? Are you living by the Spirit? Are you living by the flesh? Are you pursuing Jesus in your life? Or are you living according to your flesh without any conviction? Because to have no conviction, that's scary. It's God Himself who, who brings conviction in our lives through His Holy Spirit. It's His grace. When we're falling short, when we're off the path, He puts us back on the path. That's by His grace through the work of His Spirit in our lives. If you have no conviction, that's scary. Jesus goes on in verse 21, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of My Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to Me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and cast out demons in Your name and do many mighty works in Your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew You. Depart from Me, you workers of lawlessness. Another version says, Depart from Me, you evildoers. I think one of the greatest deceptions in the world today is that a great many people expect to enter the kingdom of heaven, but they actually will not. And what Jesus is saying is on the last day, the day of judgment, where every living being will, will, will stand upon that platform, the judgment seat of Christ. What Jesus is saying is on that day, there will be people who, who think they're going to heaven. They think that they are saved, but they actually are not. First John 2, the Apostle John writes this, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word... In Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He being Jesus. Startling truth that John writes there. Now, none of this is meant to, to be rude. It's not meant to scare anybody. These aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. Jesus is speaking these very words. And He's told us there are two different paths in life. Two, ultimately, there are two different choices. One that leads to destruction and one that leads to life. And He said there are false teachers out there preaching a false gospel, a truth that is not in line with, with God's Word. And they're deceiving people and they're leading people astray. And He says, watch out for those people. And there are people who say that they're Christians, but they're not. Jesus is saying there is a great many of people. And you have to remember, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people, but He's also speaking to His disciples. There's a great many people who say they're Christian, but they're not. And He says there's people producing good fruit and there's people producing bad fruit. And the scariest, Jesus is saying, you can tell a difference. And so the problem in between is that there's just been a watered-down Gospel preached all over the world. A watered-down Gospel. It doesn't speak to the, the difficult truths in the Bible. The very words that Jesus Himself says. This is the God of the universe speaking to His church. I want to end by sharing a story. Uh, I heard this story. Uh, a young kid, um, preteen age, was watching an episode of Tom and Jerry. Now, that's a humorous show. It's a fun show. But this episode in particular kind of turned bad pretty fast. Tom had done something bad to Jerry and he had to go to hell for it. This kid's watching this show and it got him terrified. And so he goes to church with his family later that day and he finds a, uh, an adult 
man that he talks to, and he's telling this adult man, hey, you'll never believe what I saw on Tom and Jerry. He, he talked about hell. Tom had to go to hell, and it really scared me. And this man looks at this young kid, and he says, well, you don't want to go to hell, do you, John? The young kid replied, well, no, of course not. And this, this man, he looked at this kid, and he says, repeat after me, dear Jesus. And there was this awkward silence, and this kid opens his eyes, and he had forgotten that he's supposed to repeat exactly what that man said to him. And so the kid went on, Dear Jesus. And the man went on, I know that I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I ask for you to come into my heart to save me. Amen. After that, they opened their eyes and the older man looked at the, the young kid and he said, Son, now you can know for sure that you are saved from your sins. And you don't ever have to worry about hell again. Is that true? Is that really what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? Is that really what it means to follow the God of the universe? When Jesus came up to people and invited them to follow Him, it was a summons for those men to lose their lives. Jesus did not invite them to say a prayer, okay, now come hang out with me. It was a summons for those men to lose their lives. isn't meant to frighten anybody, but this is meant to convict. Convict every single one of us. Are you on the right path? Are you truly living for Jesus? Is He your life? Or is it a fabricated faith? A watered down faith that you are living? You say you're a Christian. You go to church. You've done the right things. You were even raised. Of course I'm a Christian. But does Christ live in you? Does the Holy Spirit of the living God indwell you? Is there conviction of your sin? Do you ever sorrow and weep over your own sin? When you read God's Word, do you ever weep? Do you want to become better? Are you truly following Jesus? Or do you just claim to be? Because whether or not you can convince people in this life, it won't matter on that last day. Jesus will either say to you or me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome into my kingdom. I love you. Or He will look at us and say, depart from me. I never knew you. So, to wrap up, back in verse 13, Jesus starts out this whole passage and He says, enter by the narrow gate. Then He gives two descriptions of two different gates, two different roads, two different destinations, but he says, enter by the narrow gate. This isn't a suggestion Jesus is giving. This is a command. Look, if you're going to choose this way, you need to know you're going to be persecuted. You need to know that you'll experience opposition. If you follow me, you need to count the cost. Expect persecution. Expect opposition. If they hated me, they'll hate you. Don't rely on money or, or material things. Rely on me. Don't get comfortable because you'll always be on the go. You're always a missionary. And when it gets hard, don't give up, but persevere. So Jesus says, I am the door. And whoever enters through me, they will be saved. That's the good news of all of the Bible. If you are unsure of what Genesis about is, a, is about, or Revelation, what that's about, or, or any other book in the Bible, know this, the greatest news 
in the Bible is that Jesus offers eternal life to those who trust and believe in Him. That's the good news. You really want to know what it's like to never have to worry about hell? Trust in Jesus with your life. Invite Him to be your life. Be baptized with Him in His death, burial, and resurrection. You'll be resurrected to new life. The Bible says when you do that, you're a brand new person. A brand new creation. Old life gone. All sin forgiven. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And now a child of God. A son and a daughter of the the Lord of the universe. The one who was sovereign over every U.S. president. That's what it means to, to trust Jesus with your life. And so, maybe there's someone here and, and, and you, haven't, you haven't been sure of your own faith journey with Jesus. And maybe you, you prayed a prayer when you were younger and, and so you thought that you were saved. Maybe you, you were even baptized and you thought, well, that did it for me. But it, it, it's a process. You see, there has to be repentance. You have to turn from your sin and say, I want to follow and live a new life. I want to obey Jesus. And so I want to confess my faith in Him. I want to be baptized with Him in His death. And I want to be resurrected to new life with Him. I want to identify with Jesus and His resurrection. And so maybe you've never actually done that. And maybe you need to come forward and, 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 and repent of sin and say, I want to turn from my sin and my, my current ways and I want to follow Jesus. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to pursue a life of purity. If that's you as we worship together, I want to invite you to come forward. I would love to pray with you and help you walk in that direction. Or maybe you have to truly and fully surrender your life to Jesus. Even for the first time, I want to invite you to come forward and do that as well. Because here's the good news. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. Enter through the door that He has opened called eternal life. And you will be saved. Let's worship together.